what has he done? Can you tell me? Big Magic Johnson, what has he done? Well, yes, he's a business person. He, he's uh, got AIDS. You know, that last statement isn't fully true, right? Like, Magic Johnson didn't get AIDS. He still has HIV, though. But even though he's undefeated with getting AIDS, you know, he effectively ended his career because of that. And uh, the rest of the NBA was like, yeah, pal, we don't want to play with you anymore. All the kids on the schoolyard pretty much took their ball and went home. But I hope you guys don't do the same thing for me. I hope you stick around. Now, granted, if you're listening to week three, it sounds like you're in it for the long haul because I sure as fuck am. Uh, we went three and two in week one. Followed that up and went three and two in week two. Sure as fuck hope we go better than three and two this week. And I, I think we got a full slate of wins this week. And I got some decent reasons for that. Um, but we'll recap, you know, what we did last week. So... So that little jingle, I think, is what I'm going to use to, like, segue into previous picks and recaps and shit like that. So I think it's cool. Still up in the air for, uh, you know, for final word there. But so last week we got a win with the Browns minus three at the Jets. Now, granted, I submitted that Tuesday night and then I made the podcast Wednesday and then it was Wednesday night. We found out Sam Darnold got himself his own case of AIDS and that jacked up the price. It was like Browns minus six and a half, Browns minus seven, seven and a half at different sports books online and, and things like that. But at the point still stands, you were going to win either way. Um, I think I followed up with a couple other people saying you bet the Browns by a million no matter what the case is. So that was an easy win. We got a win with Cowboys minus five and a half at the Skins. Now the Skins did look good for a second week in a row. They played a tough Eagles team week one. Cowboys are looking on fire. So the, the Skins still held their own. Cowboys still just happen to cover, which we expect them to do so. And then the Bills just completely shit on Eli Manning and the Giants. That We had them minus one and a half at the Giants. Um, so they won. They're 2-0. Can you believe it? The fucking Bills are 2-0. Um, Giants have their own you know, mess that they're dealing with. Now we did lose we did lose Chargers two and a half minus two and a half at the Lions. Um they fucking suck. Chargers fucking suck. And the Lions have also stole money from me two weeks in a row, so I'm not too happy with them right now. Uh then we took the Steelers minus four versus the Seahawks at home in our home opener. And that was pretty much just a short sighted pick of mine. I didn't see any other kind of lines that I liked. Steelers minus four definitely um, gave me reason to pause, but we took it anyway, hoping for some good energy going that way. Lost 28-26. It is what it is. We'll take our losses in stride. Um, but one thing that I'm you know, truly realizing is whenever you're betting, you're not really betting on the team. You're betting on the line, right? So like, even though I like the Steelers over the Seahawks, even though they lost and the Seahawks won outright, I still should have been wary about the Steelers minus four, and even throwing that pick out there was pretty reckless of me. Um, so I definitely deserved that loss. I guess I deserved the, the Lions loss. I don't fucking understand. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We're three and two in week one, three and two in week two. Here we are sitting at six and four, um, looking to, to really take a nice leap here in week three. So without further ado, here are our picks of the week. You fucking crazy man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. Your boy very well may be crazy because with the full slate of 1 p.m. games, I actually only took one of them. I took three of the uh, late afternoon games, the 425 games, and I took a late game. So if you have any interest in trying to figure out 
within the next three minutes what my remaining picks are going to be. Go ahead and take a look ahead of that and give you a good indication of what we're working with here. Um, but first and foremost, at number one, we're taking Packers minus eight versus the Broncos uh, at 1 p.m. Now, at the time of this recording, it is Wednesday evening here. Big bettors are taking the Broncos, uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that the Packers are laying eight. A lot of big bettors are weary about laying anything over a touchdown, especially in the NFL when there's a lot of parity outside of you know the Dolphins and the Jets currently. But experts are typically leaning more towards the Packers, and that's the way I'm leaning too, right? So if we look at the Broncos, I mean, they're 0-2 to start the season. They have Joe Flacco at the helm. They have a couple nice young receivers. They have Emmanuel Sanders, who has looked okay coming off of a very bad Achilles injury that he came back in an accelerated time frame, especially for a 32-year-old man. Um, So their offense should be decent. Their defense is definitely top tier within within the... uh, NFL here with Bradley Chubb coming into his own, Von Miller still a stud, um, Chris Harris on the corner. He is one of three cornerbacks of the past three seasons to hold passer ratings below. I think it's 50. Um, him, AJ Boye, and Jalen Ramsey are the only three cornerbacks to do so. So, like, they got a stout defense, right? But they lost in week one. 16 to 24 to the Raiders. I think a lot of people were favoring the Broncos. That definitely hurts them. Their offense just didn't really look in any rhythm. Last week, they lost a close one to the Bears, 16 to 14. Eddie Pinheiro, the goddamn Bears savior, uh, sealed the deal for them. So the Broncos may have uh, had a win stolen from them, but the the point still stands when you're averaging 15 points you know, over two weeks. Packers are looking like they have a stout top five defense right now. There's no denying that. So I really just don't, expect to see the Broncos putting up a lot of yards on offense. I don't really expect them to get in the end zone much. They may be relying on McManus's foot to get some points there. So that's how I look at on the Broncos side of things. Um, also, their offensive tackle, Jawan James, he's doubtful to play. Um, I know the, the Packers have completely revamped their, their front seven um, with Zadarius Smith and, and Preston Smith coming in there as well. Um, the, I, I really do expect them to kind of get after Flacco, and Flacco is just in completely immobile, right? So I, I look for him to get the ball out early. He may not make a ton of mistakes, but I think there's going to be a lot of three and out or, or rather a lot of uh, third down conversions that don't really happen for the Broncos. Also, too, on the defensive side for them, Bryce Callahan, their slot guy, Todd Davis, both banged up right now. I, I'm assuming they're going to play. At least that's what it looks like from the injury report. But when you're playing in a limited capacity, who knows how that changes the game plan. And if it doesn't change the game plan, maybe the Packers and Aaron Rodgers might be able to you know, to take advantage of that. And then if we look at the Packers, they didn't really have a ton of offense in week one, right, against the Bears. They won 10-3. to but you're going up against what a lot of people consider the best defense, um, as well as a new offense for Aaron Rodgers and the gang. The defense, you know, was completely revamped. So in week one, there's a lot of growing pains. Week two, they looked unbelievable. Now, granted, they only won 21-16, and I only say only because they let the Vikings back in it late in the game. But they looked like they were holding a commanding lead with the Vikings the entire week. Um, especially after the Vikings put in a good show against the Falcons. So I have full faith in the Packers right now. Their offense is definitely coming around. I know eight points is a lot to lay. It may drop down. There might be a lot of uh, sharp betters coming in on the Broncos side that may teeter down to seven, seven and a half, something like that. But I'm completely fine with laying the Broncos or, or laying the Packers rather. Excuse my aides. Now for pick number two. Please know that this is sponsored to you 
by STP Motor Oil, the brain lubricant of America. And again, I'm your host, Anthony Delbain, and I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Okay, 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 I get it. Like, they're not in San Diego anymore, but still, fuck the Chargers. And I say that because we're taking Texans right now plus three and a half at the Chargers. I hit it last night. I hope that line doesn't move for you guys. Um, it you know it may lean more and more towards the Texans, so that may go down three and a half to maybe three or two and a half by the start of the game, you know, four twenty-five on Sunday. Um, but uh, you know the Chargers have so much talent, and they are just shitting the bed, right? Um, they barely barely won an overtime against an Andrew Luckless Colts, which we won on that one. I'm betting against the Chargers. And last week, they just completely fucked me against the Lions. And the Lions fucked me too. I'm not thrilled with either of these teams, to be honest with you. Um, right now, the sharp money's leaning towards the Texans. Uh, laying the points, at least. Now, if we look at the Texans, uh, Carlos Hyde is really like finding his footing in that offense. Uh, Larry Tunsil's questionable. But I, I do expect him to play. At least I would fucking hope so, especially when you bet the, the farm on him. But... um. They snuck out a close win last week at Jacksonville. They were eight-point favorites, and they only won by one point. So I think that is really baked into this number, which is heavily favoring the Chargers, which it shouldn't be. Texans kept it very, very close uh, in week one against the Saints. And honestly, the game kind of got stolen from them. If it wasn't for Will fucking Lutz drilling like a 70-yard field goal at the end of regulation, you know, Texans will be looking 2-0 right now. And this line may be very, very different. So I guess I kind of credit Will Lutz for allowing us to get points with the Texans. Now, you can go ahead and hammer Texans' money line. It's probably going to net you like plus 210, plus 220, something like that. I, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, I very well may, but in this case, I definitely want to at least lay the points. Now, I, I mean, with the Chargers, like their offensive line is held up, you know, relatively speaking, if you look at the sacks that they've allowed compared to league average. Texans obviously don't have Clowney anymore, um, but I really don't think that matters. I look for the Texans to win outright, like I said, um, but for this pick, I'm at least taking the points, uh, you know, just for the sheer fact that if the Chargers do decide to show up, what if they win by a field goal? It's cool. We're still going to take it, you know, Texans plus three and a half. Now for pick number three, Drew Brees may be fucked. He may be out for a while, but we're taking Saints plus four at the Seahawks. Why? Because fuck them, that's why. But seriously, we are going to take Saints plus four at the Seahawks. And the reason being is because Teddy Bridgewater, before he had that devastating injury, he was a starting QB for a franchise, and I definitely think he's going to be able to make his way back there. Now, granted, he did have a PFF grade of 39.1, which is dog shit. And the Saints loss against the Rams. But, you know, it is what it is. I think he's going to bounce back. Comes in, you don't really expect that injury to happen. Whereas, you know, Mason Rudolph did just fine and moved the ball in the Seahawks. Minus a Dante Moncrief draw pick. Uh, and that kind of ruined everything for us. But Andy Dalton put up 400-plus yards on the Seahawks in Week 1. Uh, I, I, I mean, I still think the Saints have a great offensive line. They definitely have one of the top five in the league. You know, maybe they had a bad result because, you know, Drew Brees' injury, that, that's going to jack up this line here. But, I, you know, I could very well see the Saints still winning out with this. If, if the Steelers would have started with Mason Rudolph not to say anything bad against Ben. But there's a good chance that we would have won that. And if we just would have fucking had Dante Moncrief sit his ass on the bench, or better yet, in the fucking stands where he belongs, 
there's a great chance that the Steelers would have come out with that win, and who knows what this line would look like. So, I don't know. Maybe the Saints don't win this, but laying four, laying over a field goal, you know, they may not win, but I certainly expect them to cover. Um, also, uh, another thing to note, JT Barrett is now the backup down there in Nolan. So, uh, yeah, keep a lookout for him, a little Buckeye favorite. But if we look at the Seahawks as well, I know they're a four-point favorite here at home, but two of their games here in week one and week two have been very, very close and I think that's really what's going to be inflating this. Their offense, I I really can't tell um, kind of how good they look. Now, Russell Wilson's just fantastic. But they, they chewed up the Steelers that were playing in man because nobody kind of knew how to guard Russell Wilson in his, in his scrambling. And that's pretty much what sealed the deal for us. But I don't know. Expect Sean Payton to kind of get creative. I think they're going to fool this defense. I think they're going to stay in the game. As long as Teddy Bridgewater's managing it, he's not turning it over. And he's using Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to get a ton of touches. Michael Thomas is one of the best route runners, and he gets so much better separation within the first five to seven yards of his route. So expect him to, I would say, probably get 12 to 13 targets, probably eight to 10 catches. People think with Breeze being out, that's going to you know somehow go down, but I just really can't see that. When you're one of the best receivers in the game, the ball's going to come to you. And like I said, Bridgewater used to be a starting QB. He's still very young. I think he has a lot of it in him. Um, I, I would expect the Saints to probably convert three or four crucial third downs to keep drives alive that would otherwise, you know, turn into a punt and the ball's going the other way. So I look to see that to keep the score close. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to score a ton of points, but I definitely like Saints plus four at Seattle, 425 game. Guys, do you hear that? Fuck, I thought I heard Renegade playing in the back. Um, because the Steelers are going to win outright at the 49ers. If you want to take the Steelers' money line, it is plus 237 right now. Get yourself a nice chunk of change. For this, for this reasons here, we're going to take Steelers plus 6.5. We will certainly take the points. Almost a full touchdown, the 49ers are laying. Listen, guys, I don't give a shit about what the 49ers are doing. They beat a, a completely disgruntled Buccaneers team in week one. You know, they did. They look good, all right against the Bengals last week, but we're all expecting the Bengals to finish last in the AFC North anyway. So I think the jury's still out on the 49ers. Shanahan looks great. He, he was calling up a, a lot of really creative plays that a lot of the Bengals guys, um, like William Jackson, came out to that they were completely fooled with a lot of the things that Shanahan was, was throwing towards him, which is fine. Um, I really expect our, our stalwart um, defensive you know, coordinator, Keith Butler, who is probably top three in the league as far as schematics go. I really expect him to come out and take a stranglehold of Shanahan and, and shut him down. No, I don't expect that in the slightest fucking bit. But what I do expect is a lot of people to be down um, with Big Ben being out for the year. And I think people just don't really realize how you know serviceable uh, Mason Rudolph actually is. Now, if we look at this, through two weeks, well, I, I guess a week and a half, Ben Roethlisberger's got a 49.5 PFF rating, which is, you know, dog shit. Um, throws 10 yards downfield. He's 4 for 18, or was 4 for 18, which is just awful. Um, and then throws 20 yards downfield. He was 1 for 10. You know, so, like, I look at Big Ben, you know, he was dealing with that injury for a while. Mason, at least we would think so, because Rudolph came out and said that he knew that Ben had a – uh, had some discomfort in his elbow leading up to week two. So it wasn't anything acute that, you know, happened on a, a specific play in week two. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know if it's been, you know, being 37 and just declining and, and trying to cash in his ARP card there. But 
Um, I do expect Rudolph to come in and do just fine, um, similar to Teddy Bridgewater, as long as they maintain, they limit the mistakes, and they hold their own, and they actually fucking go out and make plays. Uh, I, I think the Steelers, you know, almost laying a touchdown here, or, or getting a touchdown, rather, I think that's that's something that we should obviously take these points and run with it, because the Steelers are still the Steelers, right? Like, they're not a fucking trash team, whatever Ryan Warner wants to think. Now, with the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick, that just made so much waves. Your boy was so excited about it. Um, Sean Davis on the IR, I don't give a fuck. Put him in the stands too with Dante Moncrief. They're both fucking useless. I don't care what anybody says. I do not like him. He fucking sucks. Um, I, you know, with bringing Fitzpatrick in, you know, granted he's got, you know, four or five days essentially to understand the scheme, kind of get fit into this defense. So, I, I'm not any football expert, expert, but I would expect them to probably play a little bit more man-to-man, right? Because at least you know your coverage, you know what you're supposed to do in a one-on-one setting as opposed to with zone, you definitely need to have more communication. So I would expect them to run a lot more man-to-man just to get him uh, kind of fit into it. Um, with that, I mean, the Niners have playmakers as receivers, right? Dante Pettis, though, hasn't really got much love. Debo Samuel had a rough week one with a with a fumble there. He came back on week two with a lot of the bubble screens against the Bengals. Um, Marquise Goodwin, he he's fast, but I think we can kind of hold the own. So as long as we blanket them, dude, our, our defensive line has been phenomenal. Let them keep running it up. Stephon Tewitt is a fucking monster that is going to eat and eat and eat. And I really don't know a ton about the 49ers offensive line, but I think Jimmy G is going to be eating dirt because I think he's gonna his ass is going to be in the ground. So as long as we can get that, I don't know if it's a covered sack or if it's just us beating them off the line, but I do expect the Steelers to hold this offense uh, to probably 20, 20-ish points. As long as the Steelers can stick within a touchdown, obviously we're going to get this win. Um, as long as Mason Rudolph can stay upright as well on the other end, uh, we, we should be fine. Now, when I look at this, like, I don't know. I think the Niners are still just such a hard team to put my finger on. But with their two wins and their two, you know, solid kind of explosive and blowout wins, I think that's why this line looks the way it is. So I would expect as the week goes on, more money is probably going to be coming down towards the Steelers to work this line lower. Um, but I, at the moment, you know, as I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, I'm taking Steelers plus five all the way at 49ers. Bank on it, pals. And last but not least, rounding out the uh, top five picks here, we got the late game, the 820 game. Rams are at the Browns, and the Rams are laying three. Give me as much Rams minus three as I can possibly afford, which isn't much. I have a wedding to pay for. But the point still stands. I want everything I can possibly do with Rams minus three. I fully expect this line to continue to go in the Rams' favor um, as we get closer to kickoff. And... I mean, maybe it goes up to three and a half or four, whatever you want to do. Take the Rams until it gets up to minus seven. I said in the beginning of the podcast, we're taking bets and we're placing bets based off of the spread and what you expect or perceive the spread to to be. And so for me, I like the Rams up to minus seven. So seeing it at minus three, I'm taking this all day. Now, I, I full well understand that the Browns just crushed the Jets. 
Um, they did come off an ass whooping against the Titans, and I think a lot of people just chalked it up to week one jitters. We got a new head coach, a new philosophy on offense, and a lot of new guys that are in the locker room. That's fine. I, I'm completely on board with that. Uh, but they still just didn't look convincing against the Jets. I mean, Sam Darnold got his aids. He didn't get to play. Miles Garrett did eat up that offensive line and did uh, put Trevor Simeon in his grave for the year. That's that's fine, too. Sorry, Trevor, you suck. Um, your ankle sucks. At least it looks like it does now. But I'm just still not convinced about the Browns. Now, I, at the time of this recording, it's Wednesday evening here, but Njoku's out with a concussion. There's a ton of people on the injury report. We have Christian Kirksey, Joel Batonio, Chris Hubbard, Larry Ogunjobi. Like, a lot of these guys are role players, like big-time impact role players. And just because they're on the injury report doesn't really mean they're not going to be there. But you could expect a limited role or a limited capacity as far as what their output's going to be for the game. And I think that plays a big, big role when you're going up against a juggernaut like the Rams. Um, I know the Rams did struggle in week one against, you know, the Panthers. And the Panthers looked very, very shaky in week two. So maybe that's kind of baked into this. Week two, the Rams blew out the Saints. Granted, Drew Brees wasn't playing after he got hurt, so I get it. Maybe that's why the line is where it's at at minus three and it's not anywhere further. But I, I fully expect McVay to come out. He's going to outcoach Freddie Kitchens. Todd Gurley's look great. His, his snap count may have been limited a, a little bit. Maybe it's just schematics. I think he's fine. The rest of the team is fairly healthy. Cooper Cop has looked great. You have an arsenal of weapons on offense. Jared Goff's going to be fine. I think the secondary for the Browns is still shaky. Unless Miles Garrett's eating, there's not a ton to worry about in the Browns' defense. So I may be out of pocket if I'm saying this, but I kind of expect the Rams to run away with this. Maybe a 30-10 to 10 win or 35-17, or something like that. I, I think the three points is going to be easy to lay. Even though they're at the Browns, I mean, if we flipped it and we, you know, changed it over to maybe the Rams are playing at home, then you're looking at Rams minus six, even all the way up to minus nine, potentially, depending on the home field advantage. So I I take that into consideration, and I really don't um, worry about the Rams playing on the road. If they're laying three, I'm taking that all day. So to give you kind of a recap of what we're working with, we got Rams minus three at the Browns. We got Steelers plus six and a half at the 49ers. We have Saints plus four at the Seahawks, Texans plus three and a half at the Chargers, and we have the Packers minus eight versus the Browns. Now, if there's anything within, or at the Broncos, rather, Packers minus eight at the Broncos. Now, if there's any of these picks that I'm a little bit shaky of, it may be the Packers minus eight simply because they're laying over a touchdown. Um, But Joe Flacco fucking sucks and licks white dog shit and... That's pretty much all I got for you guys. So I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoy some of the other little fucking trinkets I threw in here. Not really sure how to handle a lot of this technology stuff, but I think we'll get better in time. So buckle up, boys. Here's to uh, 5-0. Good luck.